for a book written by a demon and you're coming with us this is the walk in darkness podcast with wally fitch and sutton blackhill hey hey everyone and welcome to the show um well sutton is a no-show this week i have no idea where she is we were supposed to start recording at two o'clock this afternoon it is now four as i record this you know, uh, she's not answering her phone. She hasn't returned any of the messages that I've left for her. Um, and she, I, I know she's back in town and I know she was supposed to be here too because she left this on my voicemail around midnight on Monday. <laughs> hey, hey, Wally, it's me, Sutton. Did you miss me? Um, anyway, I just want to let you know I'm back in town and I'll be at your house when you say, uh, so, see you then. Bye. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, two. Uh, to record the show, I'll be there at two. Okay. So, I don't know. I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. You know, I'm trying to be patient and understanding. Because, you know, I, I know she's been through a lot. But her experience is why she's helping me with this investigation. And and I want to be clear about something. This was her idea to be part of this investigation. It was her idea. It wasn't my idea. Uh, she asked to be part of this investigation and I accepted because I really think her help and her experience would be invaluable to this investigation. But, uh, I, I, I don't know, but at any rate, we're going to go ahead and move ahead without her. Uh, tonight, I'm going to play the tapes that you've all been waiting for. Um, And as we go through that, I'm going to give a little bit of commentary, some of the stuff that I've noticed, connect some of the dots as we go through here. Um, I do have to warn you, though, what you are about to hear could be disturbing to some. So listen with the lights on or with someone you love, with some whiskey or something along those lines. Um, Also, these tapes, what I've got here on the show tonight, what you're about to hear has not been edited. The only parts that I've edited out is the parts where it's nothing but background noise. So there's really nothing to hear. Um, so I guess with that, let's get into the final words of Agatha O'Toole. I thought he had forgotten forgotten me. We had not talked or seen each other in decades. <laughs> All right, so that coughing fit goes on for a couple of minutes, and then she goes quiet for about 12 minutes. Now, it's kind of hard to hear, but in the beginning, she mumbles something, and it's a phrase that you're going to hear several more times throughout these tapes. It sounds like, I promise. Did she promise something to the demon? Anyway, all of a sudden, she comes back mid-sentence, 
sort of like she was saying the first part in her head and then all of a sudden decided to speak it out loud. Bored of me or jealous when my affections turned. He's back, and maybe it's because I'm alone again. My husband is dead. My children wish me dead. (laughs) And my grandchildren don't want to be. But I'm still here. And now he is too. All right. So far, this just sounds like the ramblings of an old woman. She's in and out. She keeps repeating, repeating the same thing. I promise. I promise. She mentions that maybe he's back because she's alone again, but she's living with her daughter, her son-in-law and her grandson. So that doesn't make any sense. And we know that from Patricia's letter. And in fact, when we pick back up here, you're going to hear a door open and hear a muffled voice. Um, She also mentions grandchildren, plural, but in her obituary in the Idol Post Tribune, it only lists one. Here, hold on a second. Let me find it. Okay, here it is. Agatha K. O'Toole passed away December 24th, 1969 in her home at the age of 71. As per Agatha's wishes, no services will be held. Agatha is survived by her two daughters, Patricia Donaldson and Madeline Harrington, and her grandson, Christian. Okay, so we go from what appears to be an old senile woman to something a little more disturbing. I'll turn it off. It's mine after all. Do you hear the storm outside? It means he's close. He always liked to show off, flinging items around like a tornado that hit only our house. Find our wood pile scattered, or there was one time where he forged a trench all the way up our dirt driveway. My parents could never understand how that happened, but I knew, I always knew. No one wanted to listen to me. I'm the youngest of eight, but I was just a girl, being born in 1898. (laughs) They bring you up with privilege you get now in 1969. 
Yes, my mind is still clear. And by now, you're probably wondering why. recording my life's story. It's simple. No one believed when I tried to tell them what I could see. Whenever I blacked out, they all, all thought I was touched in the head. When I smartened up, that's when the first storm hit our house. I didn't talk much then. Why should I, when nobody was smart enough to listen to what I had to say? It was yesterday. The first dark, starless night he showed up at my window. I don't know how, but I just knew as soon as I saw him, that he was not a man, but a demon. And it seems she sung herself to sleep with that creepy little song. Um, But what I find interesting here is that much like a child, she equates a storm to a monster that's here to visit her. The only difference I see here is that she doesn't seem to be afraid of this monster, which we learn to be none other than the demon Sarath himself. At least that's what we assume. Um, Most kids would have shit their pants if a demon showed up at their window during a storm, but apparently not Agatha. Um, Agatha also says that nobody believed her when she told of what she could see during her blackouts. But when I talked to Patricia, she said that her mother had a gift and that she wasn't the first to have it. She said that nobody really talked about it and the family just assumed she was a little off. So, I don't know, it seemed like it wasn't that her family didn't believe she had these blackouts or anything, but it does seem that they were afraid of this ability, and that maybe if they just ignored it, Agatha would ignore it, and it would just go away. But, at this point, you have to wonder if, like most kids starving for attention, 
is this demon just her version of an imaginary friend? Or is this just a story to embellish an otherwise pitiful, lonely life? Um, It's kind of hard to believe this demon actually exists. But let's continue. Now, the last 12 minutes or so of this side is just background noise. And uh, side B starts as if no time has passed. The breeze coming in the window makes me remember the first days with him. He would wait until the dead of night and beckon me from the other side of the glass, waiting for me to join him on the roof where my siblings slept innocently just a few feet from us. It was a game. Always happened when I would be picked on. The other kids, including my own brothers and sisters, loved to torture me. I don't know if it was because I was the youngest, but the more I had my spells, the more they treated me like an outcast. Okay, so a little more evidence here of the demon being just an imaginary friend that conveniently shows up every time she's being picked on and needs a friend. But then she continues with this. The first time I told him what I'd seen, he held my hand. His skin was warm and fingers long. He made me feel safe, like he would believe anything I said about what I saw in my visions. I remember I remember it clearly because I had just celebrated my 8th birthday and I held my homemade doll my mother had sewn together from my older sister's discarded ones. (laughs) That was my only present and I carried around that Frankenstein doll until she fell to pieces. time. Well, it was hard for me to describe the things I'd seen to him. But then we found he could enter my mind and see the death and the destruction for himself. We both watched as people pinned under piles of bricks. Bridges swung and fell, crushing horses with their steel beams and fires 
The fires were the worst than anything else. Because I could smell the burnt flesh of the trapped people. He came back almost daily after that first vision came true. I started to lay awake for him. Then I would wait on the roof for his visits, trying to contain my excitement about sharing the latest tragedy I'd experienced. He was so happy with me, he would bring me candy. And then we shared our secrets like schoolmates. Any vision I had, big or small, and every soul he took, down to hell. I ate everything he gave me while the man on the moon watched us. I couldn't let my family know, otherwise they would want him for themselves. At least that's what an eight-year-old thinks. But he didn't want anyone but me. I gave him my visions which led him to the souls he was starved for. He was never shy about telling me what he did. <laughs> At this point, she just kind of fades out and all you hear is heavy breathing like she's asleep until the end of the tape. Now, this Frankenstein doll she talks about kind of makes me think that maybe this demon friend, demon friend in air quotes, could in fact be real. See, she seemed to really love that doll and probably took it everywhere she went. So with so much focus on that doll, the imaginary friend would likely disappear. But he kept coming. And I know kids have an imagination, but really, what kid talks about or even knows what burning flesh smells like? Uh, at any rate, I did a little research, and based on what she described and her age at the time, it sounds very much like the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. In that earthquake, over 3,000 people died, and 80% of the city was destroyed. So that's definitely something a soul-hungry demon would be interested in. So as we close out tape one, we head on over to tape two, which there isn't a whole lot on it. Uh, the only recording is on side B. There's nothing, not even background noise on side A. And uh, since it's a new tape, it's kind of difficult to know how much time has passed in between tapes. But she picks up right where she left off. The one I had right after I turned 14 was when he started to give me better presents. I myself did not care for the freezing water or the loud noises from the vision. But things like that never fazed him. I saw people pushing and shoving and heard curses in different languages. I'd never seen so many fancy-dressed people crying at once on such a beautiful, star-filled night. (laughs) 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 
2016, I experienced a vision I did not want to share with him. He knew I had seen something bigger than anything else before. He tried to bribe me with money, clothes, but this concerned my family. It affected every home in town. Even though I still had no friends and I was looked at as a freak, I could not imagine not having my brothers anymore. Our town and every other town would never be the same. And I really thought if I did not share it, then it would not come true. He said he would never visit me again unless I told. His threat was too much for me to bear, so I let him in. My whole body shook with grief as I remembered the objects from above, creating holes bigger than houses. Bodies flew apart like gruesome puzzle pieces. We saw every man's face as they fell. As they called out for their mothers one last time. He was happy with me again. So happy. It was the first time I witnessed him laugh. <laughs> so happy. So happy. So happy. <laughs> so happy. <laughs> he was so happy. <laughs> Oh, man. The way she giggles at all this death and destruction is just so disturbing. Um, so I'm pretty sure the two incidents she's talking about here are the Titanic and World War I. 1,500 people died on the Titanic, and World War I was the deadliest war in human history. Estimates are around 37 million casualties of both civilians and military personnel. But it seems as though all the clapping and giggling and all the excitement kind of wore out because for the next uh, few minutes, there's nothing but background noise until we hear this. Okay, so that appears to be Agatha's grandson, Christian, and his dog, Rowdy. Now, once Christian gets his dog out of there, there's a few minutes of silence or background noise. And then we hear what I'm about to play. Now, before I play that, this next part is pretty disturbing. If you remember last week when we talked about the audio forensics report, this is the part where the frequency changes and the unknown voice or unknown sound is heard. And it also reveals something that we've been hearing over and over throughout the tapes. I promise. Oh. 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 
I gave you the baby. Oh, man. I get chills every time I hear that. The time frame of these tapes isn't clear, um, but we do know that she started recording a couple days before her death. That's according to the obituary and the dates on the tapes themselves. Um, so is what we just heard a promise of a baby in exchange for her death? Now, Sutton claims to have lost a baby while living in the same house that Agatha died. Is that a coincidence? Is this why Sutton got cold feet and isn't here tonight? So I guess the question is, is this Agatha's confession of helping a demon capture thousands of souls? The incidents she mentions on these tapes measure in the millions of deaths. And how many of these souls went to Seraph? Could this be how this young demon rose through the ranks so quickly to become number two to Lucifer? Or really, is this just the ramblings of an old woman delirious with pain, recording a fantasy life that she wished that she had? I will say this. The words on these tapes align 100% with the story that I heard while on tour. And to me, that's one hell of a coincidence. And when you add in all the strange things that have happened since I've started this invest in this investigation, it starts to look legit. But, you know, we're only in the beginnings of this investigation. And if, and that's a big, huge, jumongous if, we find this so-called book of darkness, as the preacher calls it, hopefully it will shed some light on the truth of these tapes. And with that, I'll keep you updated with any developments on Instagram. Follow at A Walk in Darkness. Wally Fitch out. The Walk in Darkness podcast is produced by Boozehound Entertainment and is written by Kate Boyer and Phil Boyer. Wally Fitch is played by Phil Boyer. Sutton Blackhill is played by Kate Boyer. Crossroads. Our theme music was written and recorded by Grand Reserva. If you like this show, please visit awalkindarkness.com and contribute to the investigation and buy exclusive merch. Thanks for listening.